Play it, play it, play it, play it. We are gay like a fruit. We are looking like a snack. You are listening to Fruit Snacks. Zane Allen Weaver. <laughs> you guys. Congrats. Well, everyone keeps saying congrats to me, but I didn't do shit. You're an auntie. <laughs> I'm an auntie to a young little woman. <laughs> Brought into this world. <laughs> I thought it was a, a young woman. So, you know, uh, my brother just had his first child, which is a boy. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, us who are gender nonconforming here in this household, we don't give a shit about gender rules. So she's a beautiful young boy. <laughs> Congrats, Alan and Jamie. Yes. But they named him Zane Allen Weaver. Which is such a cute name. Which, funny enough, I was, like, talking to them today just to check in and see how they're doing. And the first thing my mom said, like, whatever new, whatever name you choose, please choose a name that I can pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the Z sound does not exist in the oh. Korean language. So she can't even pronounce this baby's oh, no. name. <laughs> She's, like, the younger sibling. Like, who, like, can't say their older sibling's it's like, name. I think she says, like, Jane. <laughs> Jane, like it comes out as a J. I mean, not to make this about me, but Zane is pretty much Shane, just with a Z. <laughs> true. So that's true. And your mom is basically saying Shane. Pretty, she pretty much. Yeah. Um. But anyways, I'm Brian. I'm Jane. <laughs> and you're listening to <laughs> Fruit Snacks. So what's been going on with you this week, Shane? Um, uh, I became an auntie by proxy. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, not much. I have been getting in on these like um, work calls that I'll discuss like kind of as I progress through them. Because right now I don't know what it's going to be, yeah. or, you know, whatever. But um, or not even work calls. They're they're basically like. I've been connected to somebody who's introducing me to what it means to be smarter with money. And I'm just learning what that means for me, what it could mean for me. And yeah. I'm actually really excited about it. And it's the first time in my life I've ever been excited about finances. Normally I hate talking about it. I hate thinking about it. It stresses me out. But I think because it's always stressed me out, I'm excited to like learn about it. Right. So I understand it and I sort of can get in front of the, of the subject matter instead of always feeling like I'm like running the catch up. Right. Yeah. me and money like I feel like I've never really had to struggle with money thank god Mm -hmm. I've been privileged in that way but I'm not as money savvy as someone like Kyle Mm -hmm. where his money definitely works for him I know Um, I was talking to Matt about this yesterday and he was like what friends would you have did like I I basically have to compile a list of questions that I have for this person who's mm -hmm. sort of introducing me to it and Matt was like what friends do you have that could help you curate a list of questions? And I named three people because <laughs> like nobody really talks about money, at least our age. I yeah. don't know if that's a generational thing. I don't know if it's just like us being younger kind of thing. Well, I also feel like it's sure. just our immediate uh, circle. Like I think people yeah. our age probably are more money savvy, like a Kyle, but maybe we just are used to living paycheck to paycheck as far as like our job description. Yeah. Um, because like for us in performing and stuff, you're only as good as your last show so if your show closes you're back at square one looking for another job yeah when someone who's like a kyle who like their wealth has been generated through continual work and like yeah he makes more money than he needs so it has to go somewhere but for us every every dollar we make is already taken out of our account before we even see it literally (laughs) yeah i mean that's more dramatic but yeah well it used to be that way but yeah we're paying our debt more so than paying our savings so Mm -hmm. yeah but i get that that's really frustrating yeah it's funny because I feel like that just brings up a whole slew of emotions with me when you talk about finances. Because as you right. know, but I'm telling you yeah. as a listener, um, one of my roommates, our roommates is moving out, um, which is kind of sad because mm-hmm. he was the first one to move in with me when I got this house. So it's yeah. like leaving a family member behind, but he's growing up. <laughs> he's and, leaving you behind. <laughs> yeah. But he's our, our, our young Brandon is growing up and wants to live on his own. So yeah, um, that's exciting. It's exciting for him, and I'm happy for him, but it just sucks because, like, that's just one more thing to add to my list of things to do is to find a new roommate, which is not a big deal. But, you know, me always trying to pinch a penny. I don't want to pay for this mortgage all my own, so I need to (laughs) fill that room. But it's hard to find someone through a pandemic, so it's stressing Mm -hmm. me out. And then you always call me to tell me something's wrong with the house, whether it's fucking a crack in the wall or just recently termites. So 
I have to figure that out because I think the last time I checked, it was like two, two grand to three grand to like tent a house. And on a salary of part time <laughs> from what I used to be making, yeah, that's not a very good equation. Yeah. So we had ants in the kitchen yesterday. I saw that by the toaster <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Uh, they were all over. Yesterday, wait, when today I- actually, oh. today at noon, Terminex is supposed to come. So hopefully oh, they don't good. interrupt our <laughs> recording. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I have Terminex coming to spray for ants and spiders. Mm, so good. we'll see how that goes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I've just been feeling a little bit stressed. And what's really annoying is like owning a house. Every mm. time these things come up, it just makes me feel like, was it a good idea to buy a house? Mm. Because, like, yes, in the long run, I think, obviously, to have your own investment and your money will eventually speak for you. Mm-hmm. But when you go through all these, like, little hurdles, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, every week or every month is, like, something else. Um, that's overstating and it's not that dramatic. But, yeah. like, every month there is something where I'm like, oh, my God. Well, I mean, that just goes to prove that, like, money might not buy you happiness, but it provides you stress relief. Totally. Like, the, if you just had 10000 sitting in the bank to, to just put into your house, you could be like, yeah, like, I can pay for Terminx. Uh-huh. I can pay for this. I can uh-huh. pay for that. Because it's – but now you also have – and a roommate moving out. Like, mm-hmm. all of that adds up. But if you had the money the way that, like, rich people always try to downplay – it would be like, well, I might not be happy because of that money, but I would be less stressed. Mm-hmm. You know, you could invest in happiness other ways. Exactly. But- when people say money doesn't buy you happiness, it doesn't, but it definitely gives you a source of like peace to find that happiness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially living in a capitalist society where money is everything. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to do is money required. Yeah. So that's really annoying. But I mean, I guess whatever. A new life is born. So. <laughs> That's a distraction. It's Good fun- luck, Zane. <laughs> I know. It's funny, too, because, like, people are like, oh, my God, are you so, so excited to be an uncle? And, like, no offense to their child, but as you guys know, listening to this, like, I don't care about kids. I'm extremely happy for them. But being an uncle does not affect my life. <laughs> well, especially because you guys live so far from one another. Yeah. But I'm, I'm really excited to see a, a new child grow. Yeah. Um. He's... He... I got pictures and the baby is like so pale, but I think all babies come out of the Uh vagina pretty pale. Then today when I was FaceTiming, I saw him and I was like, oh, he's a little tan baby. (laughs) So cute. It's so funny in that photo you sent me of uh, Jamie, Alan and the baby in the hospital. Uh Like Alan looks so much like you with hair. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. But this baby's going to be a hell of a mix. A quarter Korean, a quarter black and half white. So we'll see what this looks like when... She grows up into a beautiful, strong woman. (laughs) (laughs) So as you're listening to today's episode, we decided to get a little more political. I think just because of the current climate of the U.S., obviously, there's a lot of politics going around, especially because we have a big election coming up within the next few months. Um, so today we two. W- two. Two months. Oh, I thought you meant two elections. Oh, no, no. <laughs> but no, yes. Two months. Yes, yes, yes. In two months. Um, so Shane wanted to kind of, I guess, talk about a few things that we're voting on. So take yeah. it away. Ish. Um, well, the first one is more California related. Um, but I think this is an interesting concept because I think, uh, I think the concept spans further than California. This is just California specific because of the subject matter. So mm-hmm. I'll explain. Um, as most people know, California wildfires are like raging through the state right now, like to the point where the past few days have been overcast for us, not because it's cloudy, but because of smoke, like right. our cars are covered in ash here. Ton and we're ash. not even really close to the fires in, in terms of like who's actually dealing with it. Which side note, you know why it started, right? Yeah. <laughs> actually, I was going to bring up Zane and like kind of tie that <laughs> in. But go ahead. Um, so this year alone... Uh, California wildfires have already burnt a record 2 million acres of land, killed 8 people, and destroyed over 3,300 buildings. Um, And as of right now, there are still two dozen wildfires burning. Um, And we're still, like, months away from wildfire season being over. And, like, as you and I know, it's extremely hot here. We're, like, in the middle of a heat wave. So there's not much, like, help on the way, at least in the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. Um... 
do you want to talk about what started the wildfires? Yeah. One of them, one of these started the, an the, Arizona wildfire. Another one happened in Bakersfield. Yes, but the one that was more re, uh, more local for us that we see the ash, someone had a gender reveal party mm-hmm. and they used fire pyrotechnics to like shoot yeah. off a color in the air and the sparks caught wherever they were at on fire. So stupid. So these people are probably going to go down with like a hefty, hefty ass something. The, the guy in Arizona already um, claimed, what is it? Already pled guilty uh-huh. and agreed to paying $8 million in damages in Arizona. How can he afford that? installments. I don't know oh, what that means or looks God. like, but like, yeah. That's wild. Yeah. I mean, he has, there's video proof, so it's not like he could deny it. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how one goes about paying $8 million. No way. In damages. But here's the thing before we get into the firefighter yeah. topic. This, I feel like, is a testament of how climate change is clearly, and like, a playing factor because I feel like over the course of the last few years, like California has been going through a drought Mm -hmm. and people say like, Oh, that's just like, you know, the earth over so many years, it changes to that, which I agree as well. But I think like changing the degree of California, two degrees higher, you know, per day, like say around this time of the year, it's normally like 85, but Mm -hmm. now it's like 90 degrees and higher. Yeah. That's going to dry out the vegetation Mm -hmm. more quickly. And then it, creates this like environment to like be able to spark wildfires yeah so like i don't think people i guess i shouldn't say people because i think people think about it but i feel like when you actually think about the effect of the environment and how like a couple degrees hotter a climate Mm -hmm. can get it really can change everything about that climate and it almost creates a perfect storm which is a little bit unfortunate but yeah to overstate it, California is very privy to wildfires, so it's not like this is a new phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. But I do feel like within the past few years, consistently speaking, there's been a lot of fires. And mm-hmm. usually, like California knows during wildfire season, we got to preempt it. And like, you know, yeah. they do pre-burning sometimes just so that it can't catch on fire or spread. Right. But I feel like lately, it's always been, even with the mm-hmm. preemptedness, yeah. we're still like behind the curb as far as trying to get this under control. Yeah, it's scary. Um, how much people have lost these fires. Yeah. But so the interesting fact that I wanted to talk about um, is that I learned today that since 19, since the 1940s, California has used prison inmates to fight on the front lines of wildfires, earning only three to five dollars a day and an extra dollar per hour if they're on the front lines. Um, however, I'll, so like because they're learning a trade, um, technically they could take that trade with them or the knowledge of it post prison sentence. Um, but because of their criminal records and like what California states is like being able to apply for jobs outside of or in life post prison, they can't be firefighters. Um, cause you have to have a clean record in order to become one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so last week, state legislature, legislature passed a bill to give nonviolent offenders who have helped fight fires as inmates the opportunity to have their records expunged so they can become firefighters. Um, So now the bill is sitting on the governor's desk. Mm. Um, I just think this is really interesting. And the reason that I said it probably spans further than California is I think we probably use inmates for so many things that you and I on a daily basis wouldn't think about. So like in terms of these wildfires, I just assume it's all firefighters on the front line. I don't think of inmates. Um, And even now they were talking about how this year, because of COVID, half the number of fire of inmates that would normally be firefighters are gone just because of like early release or isolation or things like that. Um, And that's obviously a huge impact on like being able to fight the fires, but they're still only getting paid three to five. I'd be like, Mm -hmm. no, I'm sick Mm -hmm. (laughs) for three to five dollars a day. That's insane. Well, here's a little back. A little extra, extra too, just so that we are all on the same page. But in order to be a firefighter, you can't just be an inmate. There's mm-hmm. like a yeah. protocol to get to that point. You have to have a non, you have to have nonviolent behavior as well as good behavior in prison, and then you have to have. Um, I feel like cops should have that. I, <laughs> I agree. Participation in like some sort of uh, rehabilitation program within the facility that you're at, and good standing in the prison. So if you have a bad record and you're acting out in prison, they're not going to make you a firefighter, obviously, because mm-hmm. I think they use this program as a privilege within the yeah. system. 
Um, and then, like you said, they do earn money. Um, and I was like, where does this money go? Like, what are they buying it for? Like at the commissary and mm-hmm. the, you know, in, in, in sale or whatever to buy like cigarettes to trade. I don't know anything about prison, but I have watched Orange is the New Black. <laughs> so, you know, I'm pretty well versed. Yeah. Um, but I guess the money earned, they can send it home to their family mm-hmm. or they can um, use it once they get released. And um, this is another thing, too. For every two days they work as a firefighter, that's one day I got that backwards. Every one day they work as a firefighter, two days of their sentence are lessened. So cool. you're working towards, like, you're lessening your thing, right? Yeah. But I think the problem that I see here is that, like you said, they can't become a firefighter. Mm-hmm. And to me, I'm like, you're in prison to pay off a mistake you've made. Yeah. If you are in a re- rehabilitation center and you're, like, doing these things to, like, help yourself as well as progress like the Mm -hmm. state and stuff and you're like really showing that you're trying to be a good Samaritan towards society I think that you should be able to get your life back if that is firefighting yeah I mean that's the point of prison exactly theoretically theoretically point of prison Uh, but that's what that this alone shows you that's not in theory in practice two different things you know because I feel like a lot of people who are in prison for nonviolent behaviors are like drug related Right. Like having having had marijuana on them or something. Mm -hmm. But then in my eyes, I'm like the difference between him coming out of prison, applying and not getting the job for a firefighter. Yet someone who did get a job didn't um, like, you know, became successfully avoided jail or whatever and became a firefighter. The only difference is that one got caught, one didn't, Mm -hmm. you know, because I'm sure there's plenty of firefighters. And I don't know this because I haven't seen facts. So this is just my opinion. But I can like pretty much say i feel like a lot of people have had their little dabble in marijuana Mm -hmm. because it's a little less strict and a little less like oh my god you're going to hell for doing drugs i'm sure a lot of firefighters who are firefighters now have had smoked marijuana at one point or have dabbled in marijuana yet because they didn't get caught their record is clean so if they're legally okay to be a successful firefighter i think just because you get caught for something like that you shouldn't be penalized especially when you're trying to get on the right track Okay. Okay. (laughs) But again, like, they paid their debt. Yeah. They should be allowed back into society. I'm hoping California will pass this. They're fairly liberal in the essence of, like, legislature that they Mm -hmm. pass. So I'm hoping this will be pushed through. And Governor uh, Gavin Newsom is, like, fairly liberal. Mm -hmm. Um, So I hope this goes well, or far. Um, But thank you to all of the people fighting the fires. I agree. Because it's such... I mean, it's ravished so much of California right now. And again, like, we don't face the threat of the fires here in Long Beach, but we do face the effects of the fire. So, it, I mean, it literally affects the entire state. Mm-hmm. My friend up in uh, the Bay Area posted photos today from his bedroom window, and it literally looks post-apocalyptic. Like, the way every movie yeah. describes Earth, like, post-mankind kind of thing is how it looks up in the Bay Area. When it's I was so up, scary. When I was up there uh, visiting my parents... Mm. there were the San Jose fires and yeah. I had to like get rerouted like two or three times because roads were closed because mm. the fires are so big and the fires up there are like really big but yes yeah coming into San Jose it was kind of like weird because it was very post-apocalyptic and then even like my parents house luckily they didn't get affected by the fires yeah. as far as their house getting caught on fire but the air quality and stuff is affecting them mm-hmm. but they were only two miles away and I had to call them and be like do you guys have to evacuate but they didn't have to but clearly like they're doing a good job, these inmates, if they're saying that they can't fight firefight or they can't fight fires without them. Right. You know what I mean? So they're yeah. effective at their job. So even when they're out of prison, I'm sure they would still be effective as firefighters. Sure. And if your house is on fire, I know your bitch ass wouldn't be like, mm, nope, you were an inmate. You had drug use in your past. I'm sorry. I just want a good Samaritan. Uh-huh. You cannot put this fire out, okay? <laughs> it's like, bitch, girl, bye. Yeah. Like, that's how I feel. Like, just yeah. girl, bye. Like, you would you, just shut the fuck up. And mm-hmm. that's where I'm like, it doesn't make sense, those arguments, because I'm like, people who are p- preaching like, oh, my God, but they they were in jail. They were inmates. I'm like, bitch, have you done everything the way you should have your entire right. life? No. So shut up. I mean, it's comparable to the, the discussion around, like, uh, the black veterans who fought in wars for a country that... They're, didn't didn't see them as like fully equal fully yeah. like full humans yes um, they were like point a person uh-huh um which yeah, is like the big takeaway of hamilton right <laughs> the story of hamilton yeah. yeah so in other political news i saw a tweet um that's being shared from aoc on facebook 
This tweet came out on August 23rd. Um, I only just saw it today, but I think it's really important to talk about because it's been a topic of discussion of some sort since 2016's election, um, where we saw Hillary Clinton win the popular vote and not the electoral college vote, meaning she lost, obviously. <sighs> Sad day. Which happens a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's happened before with other presidents. Um, so... Joy Behar on The View was very pissed about that. Actually. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to like quickly skim through her her tweet, but it starts with, I see Fox News is big mad about abolishing the Electoral College. So let's talk hey, about she it. She said big mad big work, mad. bitch. Yeah, I see, love it. She's, a, she's for the people of the people. By she's the, the people, voice of yeah. our fucking generation. Yeah. Ooh, they big mad. <laughs> <laughs> so she says, um, if the GOP were this quote unquote silent majority, they claim they wouldn't be so scared of a popular vote true they know they aren't the majority they rely on establishing minority rule for power this common claim about if we don't have the electoral college then a handful of states will determine the presidency is bs it's the electoral college itself that breaks down power by state popular vote decentralizes it the electoral college makes it so a handful of states do determine election elections lastly this concept that the electoral college uh provides fairness to rural Americans over coastal states doesn't hold any water whatsoever. First of all, virtually every state has rural communities. New York, California, much of our states are rural. But uh, very importantly, we do not give electoral affirmative action to any other group in America. Do black Americans have their votes count more because they have been disenfranchised for hundreds of years? Do reservations get an electoral vote? Does Puerto Rico and U.S. territories get them? No, they don't. The Electoral College isn't about fairness at all. It's about empowering some voters over others. Every vote should be equal in America, no matter who you are or where you come from. The right thing to do is establish a popular vote, and GOP will do everything they can to fight it. Um, this is infuriating, and it is it is hard to, to counter-argue people who are like, my vote clearly doesn't count, because uh, literally that's what happened in 2016 and in other presidencies, but more recently in 2016. Um, where even now it's like Joe Biden could win the popular vote and Trump could still win again, depending on electoral college votes. And uh, what she's saying here is like the argument against breaking up the electoral college is like, yeah, but then California states like California and New York and uh, Illinois will, will sway the entire presidential election. And it's like, well, that's kind of what the electoral college does anyways, just in different ways with different states. Um, so either way, there's not this like fairness to it, but I guess it's at least fair that like if we just went by popular vote, we know who more people are voting for, which is the point of an election. That's my whole point on it. I feel like, um, like I think before this election, and like as you get older, obviously you get more inclined to like what politics are, and you mm -hmm. get more invested because you realize it affects your own money rather yep. than your parents' money. Um, but with that said, like with electoral college, if you want to hear a good podcast, listen to the daily, I've brought this mm. up again. It's like by the New York times, but they talked about the electoral college and the pros and cons of like keeping it or getting rid of it. So yeah. that's just a really good take on it. My opinion. I thought they did a really good take, but I think exactly that, like if majority of the people are voting for one way or the another, another, then it should be majority mm -hmm. because that's what is majority of the country wanting. And yeah. if you... I understand why people feel like their, vo their voice or their vote doesn't count because, yes, in a presidential election, it typically mm -hmm. doesn't because of electoral college. But but the other election that got you to that point of using your electoral college does. Do you get yeah. what I'm saying? So your vote does matter. It's just the time that you vote is probably the wrong time of when if you're trying to be effective in a different way. Mm. But can I just go over some like yeah. three pros and cons Please. before we get into the actual discussion? So this is on procon.org. So it's just a website that does pros and cons about a different, a lot of opposing views. Cool. So pro number one of the Electoral College, the founding fathers enshrined the Electoral College in the U.S. Constitution because they thought it was the best method to choose the president. So the founding fathers did it because mm -hmm. a lot of times back then, a lot of U.S. citizens had other things like running plantations. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I say that jokingly, but not jokingly. And then like farmers and stuff like that who weren't as inclined to be political, yeah. as well as news didn't travel as fast, right? Mm -hmm. So you gave this person that you elected from your own 
particular region to say this is how we kind of feel so speak on our behalf which is why i say other elections are a little bit more important because we still vote on that person to speak for us as electoral college right but the con on that end is the reason for which the founding fathers created electoral college are no longer relevant because we have access to all this knowledge and it's Mm -hmm. our responsibility as citizens to look into it and inform ourselves on who we feel is the best vote and the best pick and news is so much easier to access at this point and if you're not, even if you're from a small town, you know how big, big world politics are affecting you personally as well as on a global level. Mm-hmm. So there's really no excuse as to why you shouldn't know. That's just you being lazy. Yeah. So for us, as far as like a non electoral college, to me, I think is, I think people now are educated enough to find their own news source, mm-hmm. their own volition to find what they believe in yeah. for the best resource, right? Yeah. So pro number two, the Electoral College ensures that all parts of the country are involved in selecting the president of the United States. So that just goes into what you're saying, that mm. only the big populated areas will decide because everyone in that area, yeah. sheer number-wise, will get it, right? But then, Which is interesting, just a quick point no, on go that, ahead. because this year with COVID, so many of those states and cities have dispersed, like LA and New yeah. York are so populated by people our age who are there for like performing or whatever or like leaving their small town mind to like get that bigger city idea yeah from what i've seen just from like friends online a lot of them have re-registered to vote in their hometowns because (laughs) they're all going to these like quote-unquote rural areas where they're like maybe my vote can swing like if we have enough of us here now um sorry that's the point I no that's good because it's it's, it's exactly a point i'm gonna bring up but just going further into that 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 account is that if the election depended solely on the popular vote then the candidates could limit campaigning to heavily populated areas or specific regions right Mm -hmm. so that's the idea that they'll only go to la and new york to to um campaign but i feel like the opposite would happen Mm -hmm. because i feel like in those rural huge areas like that not not rural but yeah well yes in those huge cities, you kind of assume how people are going to vote. So then you would go to places like Bakersfield or Fresno yeah. where their voices don't aren't as heard in California because mm-hmm. California obviously is a very, very big blue state. We've yeah. been blue for years. But there are pockets like Orange County who are red, mm-hmm. heavy red. Huntington Beach, heavy red. Yeah. Bakersfield, red. Um, Redlands, um, Redding, like all uh-huh. those northern places that aren't like San Francisco and stuff, very red. Yeah. So to me, I'm like, yeah, all those voices could – feel more inclined to vote because as of right now, they probably are like, I'm not going to vote because it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So like campaigning, I think would almost happen the opposite because you're like, I can tap into those smaller voices where I'm speaking for their behalf. Mm -hmm. And so the con to that is the electoral college gives too much power to swing states and allows the presidential election to be cited by a handful of states, which is true because, you know, you always hear the conversation when we're trying to decide how election prediction is going to go. Usually Iowa is a big conversation starter. Mm -hmm. Um, What's another one? Florida, you know, like because all the other states kind of traditionally vote the same way. Like I was saying, California votes blue a lot. So they already know, oh, we're going to get so many votes from California for the Democratic side. So there's no conversation there. But Iowa, because they're a swing state, depending on how they vote for that election, it's going to go one way or another. So that's why those swing states as in this they mm-hmm. vote for the or they decide who's going to be elected college. So really, they have all the power in yeah. essence. Yeah. Well, and to add on to your point, I think we would see less concern over what a state looks like at all. Completely. Red or blue. Like Completely. we would focus solely on cities or counties where like you were saying they would focus more on the parts of California that they could swing, swing votes yeah. on. Whether that be blue or red, and it would be less focused on like, oh, I have California in the bag because it's just popular vote. Uh-huh. You just need to make sure that, that voters are getting out for you, and that doesn't matter where they live. You just need to make sure that you're getting a popular yes. vote. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And then the last thing, and then we can have the discussion more, even though we're continuing it. <laughs> um, the pro number three is that the Electoral College guarantees certainty to the outcome of the presidential election. If the election were based on popular vote, it would be possible for a candidate to receive the highest number of popular votes without actually obtaining the majority. Mm. Okay. And, and then the con would be the electoral college ignores the will of the people. So this is our problem is that there are 300 million people in the United States, but just 538 people decided who the president would be, which is part of the electoral college. Right. Yeah. In 2016, Hillary Clinton won the presidential popular vote against trump by more than one million votes yet still lost the election by electoral colleges which is why Mm -hmm. there's so much outrage and um you know anger yeah 
so those are just like basic facts of pros and cons. But like with all that said, I just feel like a lot, it kind of ties in with the Bible to me mm-hmm. where people are like, well, that's a different time. Exactly. Literally. Like it was a different time. You're making the point. <laughs> and you need to like up with the times. Yeah. And I feel like what we currently see is that I think it would be healthier for it to just be on popular vote mm-hmm. and be solely based on popular vote. Cause I really do believe that people would feel like their vote matters that much more. And I think the voices that are being left behind because they feel like it's not for them, it will become their yeah. problem or their, their cause, you know, or their like passion yeah. to be a part of it. This is just like one of those arguments that I just can't understand the other side of. Like I, I, I hear the other side. I know the argument, but I don't, even in talking it out right now, I just don't understand how that's a valid argument. Well, the, the argument is, okay, this is what I, how I see it. And again, I'm no political expert, but this is just my opinion. Um, I feel like it's all power, right? Like, that's what's annoying about American politics is it's not about what's best for America. It's what's best for me right now. And it's that individualistic style idea. Mm-hmm. And I understand that because obviously I want what's best for me too. Yeah. But I think as a goal for the American government, it shouldn't be like what's best for my party. It should be what's best for America because realistically, you guys should be working together to do what's best for America. Mm-hmm. And in order to have like a collaborative idea, you're not going to get every single thing you want yeah. as long as as much as you can get. You have. Mm-hmm. And honestly, with collaboration, 50-50 works best. That's yeah. a win when you're doing collaboration. Because yeah. if one side gets 51%, the other 49 then one person, in ideal mm-hmm. sense, point blank facts, loses, right? Right. So I don't understand why there's this that push and pull to be like, this side needs more or that side needs less. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's just a power game. And I think the Electoral College is still instated for that reason for the people who aren't in the popular vote right. to like have their power still when to me i'm like you didn't get the power popular vote so you shouldn't mm-hmm. if you need a popular vote then you go out and like change people's minds and yeah. live through your truth to inspire people to get on your bandwagon rather than actually like skewing or twisting the system to work in your favor because if you look at california right and let's say we break it down Think about if they cut every region into... Okay, so California is a blue state, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm only using California as an example because I live here. Yeah. Um, because LA is so heavily populated, San Diego is pretty um, liberal, and then um, San Francisco is pretty liberal. Mm-hmm. Those big, especially the Bay Area, like San Francisco, o- Oakland, San Jose, you know, they're pretty liberal. Yeah. Those big pockets of population is pretty much what decides California. So what electoral college would do to decide, and this is why it's kind of like, what the fuck? Think about just taking the whole area of grouping the Bay, LA, San Diego, those three blue cities and be like, okay, well, since you guys all think alike, you get one vote. Mm-hmm. And then all the rest, we're going to divide into five or six different regions and each person gets a vote. Yeah. So now the the liberal sides only get one vote and then the red sides get five because mm-hmm. we d- decided, oh, in this area, this is a region and yeah. that region naturally goes red. I hope you guys are following. Does this make sense? Kind of. And so to me, that's what electoral college is. It's not because e- if you're going to equally distribute it to be like, oh, this represents this amount of people, then it should be based on population and not yeah. less a region. But because a region, do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like, even though like LA is more heavily populated as far as the entire state of California, LA only gets one vote. Right rather than all those smaller things who each region gets a vote. Mm-hmm. And that's like the electoral college. Right. That was probably the most backwards ass way I of explaining that. But yeah. that's how it is split up. And so, of course, there's going to be more voices to people in the electoral college eyes when you think, oh, the voices that aren't going to be heard mm-hmm. are getting heard because the majority isn't shutting them out. But then I'm like, well, that should be the point, though, right. isn't it? That the majority should... It's working for the majority. Right, right. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, AOC brought up to, brought up the point that the GOP keeps claiming that they're, like, this silent majority and they finally have a voice now that Trump is president. And it's like, but you don't. Like, that was proven in the presidential election. Right. And the other thing that I think eliminating the electoral college could provide is more voters. I agree. Like, right now we see such a heavy lack of voters in America in terms of eligibility And I think if people knew it just came down to popular vote, I mean, in a race like that, literally one vote could sway an entire presidential election. And that's huge. And it would, I feel like, give voice to the people where 
people would feel more inclined to be like, I guess my vote does count. Mm-hmm. Like if I could sway it one way or another, like I should get out and vote. Um, but again, like what is there to fear? If you are so certain you're this silent majority and that everybody will turn up to support your candidate, then great. Eliminate the electoral college. Like we should be more worried than you are. Exactly. You know? um, I say we as in like, liberals or democrat whatever but even with that argument though like say i was part of that minority where the candidate that i wanted to win wasn't part of the popular vote i would still feel like that's fair because in my eyes i'm like oh well more people do like him so Mm. okay i don't Mm. like him but that's the america i live in and then i would take it upon myself to like educate people or whatever the case is to have that conversation yeah but i wouldn't be upset that i lost power because the game was fair and square, mm-hmm. but the electoral college almost feels like a rigged system. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Especially now in this modern time, it feels rigged. Like right. I understand both pros and cons. So I'm not saying that, you know, we're only doing it because this is a system and it's like, you know, rigged. So X, Y, and Z, but I think just through time, it naturally feels that way because times mm-hmm. have changed. Well, yeah. I mean, the electoral college is representing regions, not people. So like she was saying, like, Puerto Rico isn't represented. Uh-huh. U.S. territories aren't. Black people aren't. Native people aren't. So, like, you have all that lack of representation in the Electoral College where, where clearly states like Iowa and Florida, and I'm assuming, this is me guessing, there's no factual <laughs> evidence for this that I know of. I mean, there is, but not that I've seen. I'm assuming those are more white majority places, and so you're clearly representing white Americans over people of color, um, which is another important topic, but... Not for this conversation. <laughs> um, I will say, I just looked up really quickly just so um, I can put it out there. Of the 58 presidential elections in our America's history, 53 of the winners took both the Electoral College and the popular vote. Mm-hmm. 58. 58 elections. And 53. Have taken both. Both. The, it yeah. matched. Yes. Okay. Um, the five presidents who lost the popular vote and won wait let me guess trump yes nixon no no uh-uh okay clinton no no bush yes <laughs> yep so uh trump in 2016 <laughs> clearly i don't know politics very well trump in 2016 uh bush in 2000 i remember that one yeah um the one before that was in 1888, Benjamin Harrison. Oh, I couldn't stand that motherfucker. Okay. <laughs> 1876, uh, Rutherford B. Hayes. And 1824, John Quincy Adams. But that does go back to a time where, like, I don't even know what the U.S. territory looked like at this point. And, like... It was just the 13 colonies. Literally. And, like, presidential elections were word of mouth. Like, by the time it traveled to the other side of the quote-unquote country... You sent your humming pigeon. Literally. (laughs) Two shits mean uh, Democrat. One shit means Republican. Yeah. Um... Like, by the time they're even finding out about, about the candidates, like, in other territories, the election is over. Yeah. Um... But honestly, like... With that said, I'm actually kind of relieved that it did match so often mm, because to yeah. me that shows that it the system is in in statistically speaking um working right right like it's it's reflective of the popular vote which mm-hmm. it should be always and forever but yeah. then that's where I'm like if it's not reflecting the popular vote what kind of rigamorous is going on right now <laughs> right here on this day yeah <laughs> well and the other the other issue is I think when you look back to these elections mm-hmm. i would say prior to 2000 well even 2000 and prior i think that there was still this unified idea that it was just different american ideals we were fighting for not different human ideals mm-hmm. i feel like since 2016 we're fighting for two different americas and before and maybe this is my white ignorant uh, perspective but i think that the elections that were held Democrats and Republicans may not have seen eye to eye, but they were at least like, we still want to say, quote unquote, fight for America. And now it's like Republicans are like, we want to fight for our America. Mm -hmm. And Democrats are like, we want to fight for, quote unquote, all America, but like our America Mm -hmm. too. And so there's just there's just this like conflict of of not being able to come to the table at all, Um, where we've seen with this like stimulus package, Mm -hmm. this round two, where Mm -hmm. 
they just decided to like, well, not decided, but they, they still took their recess as normally scheduled, despite not having any sort of aid or assistance for Americans who are like literally being kicked out of homes Mm -hmm. because they can't afford it because there's been no stimulus and the economy sucks right now. Mm -hmm. Um, That's my two cents on that. I've been talking to like Trump supporters lately, like within my social circle, mm-hmm. um, not like anybody my age, because yeah. I feel like nobody our age in my social circle supports him. At least that has vocalized it to me. Yeah. Um, and that's not me saying that there's judgment there. If you support Trump, I don't understand, but that is not my job to understand your logic. Like mm-hmm. if it makes sense to you, it makes sense to you. But um, I have been asking Trump supporters that have been like kind enough to talk about it is that like why (laughs) you know like honestly why why still yeah and it's not me saying why because i want to like prove anything to you like you i know if you're vocal enough to say it i'm sure at this point you're like nothing's going to change your Mm -hmm. mind but i just want to understand your logic behind that so i get a grasp of like okay what what kind of america do you feel like he's supporting Mm -hmm. and um it's kind of a hard conversation to have because the idea of what america he represents not necessarily the people that i'm like talking to on a personal level, but like what he represents just seems so like not good. Um, but yeah, even like when I speak to these people and I ask why it just, I feel like there's so much hate in their rhetoric Mm -hmm. and so much anger. And I just feel like it's very misguided and misplaced as if we're in the position we are in because of everything that is going against him. When I'm like, no, if something isn't working, it doesn't reflect back on the leadership. I've watched way too many fucking reality TV shows that are competition-based, like RuPaul's Drag Race, Survivor, um, The Challenge. And anytime the team doesn't go well, the leader goes down with the ship. Mm -hmm. So that's where I'm like, what America are you trying to say needs to be saved? Because I would understand that if he was the antithesis or like the the alternative to what's happening but i'm like he created what is happening so what yeah. what are you trying to say is going to be better mm-hmm. cuz he's like let's make america greater again it's like or let's keep america great it's like girl what america are we talking about right <laughs> well that's a, that i think that's a better example of the point i was trying to make with fighting for two different americas where under trump's presidency for the past three and a half years we have gotten to this point where we are right now mm-hmm where we're seeing the lack of of response in my perspective to COVID-19, which an audio recording was just released of Trump in in a phone interview talking about how he wants to continue downplaying COVID-19 to quote unquote ease panic, but fuck off. Um, That's all for election propaganda though. Like he wants to show that, I mean- No, 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 this was like, this came out against him. Like being like, the president behind closed no, doors no, 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 literally no, no, downplayed. No, no, oh. no, I. But I'm saying his reason for saying that to downplay it is so it doesn't seem like it's as bad. In the interview, he said that. But that's what I'm like, saying. Oh, that's I what I'm see. saying. Yeah. No, I agree with you. It doesn't yeah. look good. I see what you're saying. <laughs> but I'm saying his reasoning behind let's just downplay it is so that he yeah. doesn't look bad in the public eye, which I'm like, bitch, too late. Yeah. <laughs> but like it, within his response to COVID-19 and within these uh, these race wars that we're seeing across the country in these protests. This is happening under his watch. Like, I don't understand how you can say this is Joe Biden's America, which explicitly states there's this other America that exists in your mind. Uh It's not like we're all living here together. It just amplifies the fact that you have these these power grabs of like, my voice should be stronger than yours. Mm -hmm. My my reasoning, my opinion should be stronger than yours. Um, I forgot what I was going to say to conclude that, but... it's just infuriating. What's infuriating, I think, the most, and I feel like we can end on this note, is that just like America, how we can't come together, the people in the White House were appointed to work together mm-hmm. in order to make this America that yeah. you are clearly not capable of doing, so you need another job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, really quickly, and then we will Yeah, close. you're fine. Sarah Huckabee Sanders was the first guest on The View's <laughs> premiere episode of the 24th season yesterday, and I watched it this morning. And... Uh, the question was brought up, how can you still back the president in or support him in not denouncing uh, Kyle Witt, uh, the kid who Rittenhouse. shot? Rittenhouse, yeah, Kyle Rittenhouse. It? Rittenhouse. Um, how, can, how can you support him for not denouncing his actions and a- never against visiting Jacob killing? Blake? Yeah. And she, well, take Jacob Blake out of it because 
her her defense on that because that argument was brought up was like maybe it would have looked nicer if he did but you know xyz is more important than just like talking to him sure fine if you want to use that argument but you have one american killing other americans and her defense was that's abhorrent but, but Americans should only have the right to peaceful protesting, not rioting and loot- looting and destroying public property. And it's like, you literally just defended somebody for shooting fellow Americans because he was defending property. Like, get the fuck out of Like, the second you start putting white property over black lives, you lose me. Mm-hmm. I, I just can't support mm-hmm. or defend your argument. And that's not even, like, because it's a black life, you lose me. You lose me on a human stance. Literally, yeah. Stance oh, we values. could be talking about any other country any in the life, world. Any yeah. life. Yeah. Even if that person did bad, I don't think they should die. Mm-hmm. Like, it makes no sense. Yeah. No sense. But that clearly shows you in that rhetoric. But you know what they'll say is, no, that's not true. Mm. <laughs> you know, I know, for real. That. Like, that's not what I'm saying. Okay, Ugh. well, then this is your chance to clear it up. But then they'll just go back being like, but it's like, because you're saying but, everything you said before the but completely is not valid. Yeah. You can say, I love you, but bitch, you don't love me. Right. Because if it was, you love me, done. It would, that would be it. Done. Yeah. Well, uh, moving into the next uh, topic kind of works because we were just talking about race wars. Um, so Tracy Ellis Ross posted a photo on Instagram announcing that there was going to be a remake of sorts on Zoom uh, of the Golden Girls, but a black rendition of it. Hmm. Um, so I thought this was interesting. Well, I'll get into it after I read this. Um, she's quoted saying, we bring to... Uh, we bring to you our rendition of Golden Girls, reimagined with an all-black cast of your favorite actresses. Elfrey Woodward, Wood, uh, Woodard, Tracy Ellis Ross, Sanaa Lathan, and Regina King, directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood, and hosted by Lena Waithe. Um, this event is in partnership with Zoom, and the first episode is spotlighting and supporting Color of Change, the nation's largest online racial justice organization. The production, which will take place uh, Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, is free but requires registration. So here's my thoughts on it. Love the cause. Love what it's supporting. Love what you're doing. You, as four very well-known Black actresses, and then I believe uh, both the director and host are women of color, Mm -hmm. have so much creativity in you and originality that I just don't feel like we need to keep redoing cast that way where maybe maybe that's their creative process and they think this will be the best way to get their their point across and do whatever they want to do best but like why why are we reimagining these traditionally white stories i believe in you so much that i bet you could create a black story that's far Mm -hmm. better than what the golden girls was i personally never got into the golden girls not for any reason i just didn't um Again, I support it. I think what it'll be their, great. What was their reasoning for doing the Golden Girls? It doesn't say. Mm. I I think at this point, not only is it like a, for lack of better terms, like a national sitcom, like icon. Um, like it's like a pop culture. Pop culture. Of, but now it's yeah. like a gay icon of sorts. Um, and I'm sure it's just the magnitude of what it has become over the years and how it's still in syndication on, you know, networks and whatnot or streaming services. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, like you said, why why the Golden Girl? Like mm-hmm. again, you guys could do so much good and like uh, creative work that I'm interested in seeing. And a rendition of the Golden Girls is not it for me. I would be more interested in original content. Mm. Well, here's a, here's my take on it because again, I don't know much about this story, yeah. but. One, my understanding of the Golden Girls when it came out was very progressive because mm-hmm. it's a women-led cast mm-hmm. of a certain demographic speaking of an age that usually isn't highlighted in film and TV. And uh, it's like they're very forward-thinking, uh, progressive-type women. Yeah. And so I think that's why it's like such a pop culture phenomena is because mm. like there's that that juxtaposition of what is normally popular. It's the antithesis of that, but then it became popular as like a look at these women. So I support it in that sense. Um, And then two, I I, I agree. Why the Golden Girls? Because I, again, Mm -hmm. it's not for me. But also I see it in like a PR stunt, not a stunt, but a Mm -hmm. PR thing where people already know the Golden Girls. They know that formula. They know the fan base of that formula. They know people connect with it in some sort of like 
whether it's nostalgic or you know the type of comedy or whatever so there's that formula that works so maybe they're doing it in the sense of like we already know that this is popular so let's flip the script so that people feel like there's a fam- familiar formula yet it's a different story yeah which i support too but i agree i don't understand why yeah <laughs> but it's not my job to understand why because clearly i'm not the target market if i'm not interested right so it's like well, whatever I-, I think my other fear in this is they're doing it as a charity for organizations and I love mm-hmm. that idea. Um, what I don't, I think my, my fear in it is like, if we look at all of these re- reboots that have taken place in one form or another, they've all already gone off air. Yeah. Like they haven't done well, despite that like familiar formula and like expectation yeah. or nostalgia. Um, and look again, like I believe all of these actresses are going to do incredible in this project. I just, I just believe in them more than reverting back to like something that we all have already right. seen. Like there's plenty of stories to be made. Yeah. So why not yeah. be in like invigorating yeah. and new? Yeah. That's all. I hope it does really well. I just, yeah. Yeah. So in other pop culture news <laughs> and history, keeping up with the Kardashians is officially coming to an end. That's crazy. Bible. You know what's funny about that too is they always say people who are in reality TV or they how they come to fame. Once you leave the way that you came into fame, it's hard for you to stay famous. So mm-hmm. I wonder if this is an actually affect their fame because I just take example like um, Jersey Shore. Jersey Shore. You know, there's like you can you can have like off things from your mm-hmm. fame, but it's still you still have to like resonate back to why you're famous. Um, like Real Housewives of Atlanta, right? Like mm. Nene Leakes. Yeah. Once she left the show, her fame kind of was like up and down where she thought she was too good for the show, but then inevitably she had to come back because mm-hmm. that's what they know her for. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that is with a lot of the housewives. Um, but I'm only speaking from that experience, yeah. you know? But like even like um, Bethany Frankel did a talk show and mm. she left, but then her talk show didn't do too well because people like her for that outspokenness from the format of how she got famous, but then as a talk show, it doesn't feel as authentic or yeah. it just feels different than why you like that character. And again, I'm saying it's not that people can't go outside of that to be famous, but you still have to have a pulse on what is good. You know, like Rihanna, right? Mm-hmm. Like she left music to do beauty and all that stuff. But for the what Rihanna's famous for is music. That's why her fans are still like, girl, we love the beauty, but like where's the songs? Where's, yeah. the, where's the tunes? Where's yeah. the music? Give me the give me the give yeah. me the juice. You know? <laughs> so I wonder that if they do leave, I wonder how it's gonna affect their fame. Which mm-hmm. obviously not that much because they're all really famous. But yeah. I think part of why their their products do so well is that there's like a connected history behind the product. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost like exactly that of an influence. Like influencer you follow an influencer because they give you an insight into their lifestyle and mm-hmm. you buy into that lifestyle which then translate into into a product like right. a beauty influencer you're not getting that mascara because it's good mm-hmm. right yes that is one of the reasons why you get it but you get it because a person that you trust who has reviewed all these things right. who've told you over years and years and years like this is how, why you should believe in mm-hmm. me believe me that i like you should use this mascara. You know what I mean? So it's the same thing. I I wonder how that's going to play out. And I bet you they're going to stop now, but watch, they're going to come back with some sort of like Kardashian something. (sighs) I mean, I have like so many thoughts and feelings on this. I've been with them since the beginning. Do you still keep up with them? Yeah, duh. Um, So here's a thing. Here's like a a few little like uh, history facts about them. Their first episode aired in October, on October 14th, 2007. It's the year I graduated high school. Um, They've been on air for, by the end of their final season, which will finish airing in 2021, because their 19th season is airing this month, in the month of September, and then their final season will start airing early 2021. They will have had 14 years, 20 seasons, and hundreds of episodes, including 12 spinoff series. Which is, cra- I don't think that I've seen all of those spinoff series. I'm sure like, you have. Well, no, because they had ones for, like, their stores, like the Dash Dolls or whatever. Like, I didn't ever get into yeah. that. Those are all, like, their store employees, and I don't even think they have stores anymore. Yeah. Um, uh, but the multi-billion dollar empire that they have created, and I'm not talking about the reality show. The, sh- the show is, I mean, was bringing in hundreds of millions of dollars for them, but, like, just in terms of kim's like kkw beauty her skims loungewear or underwear and kylie's cosmetics and chloe's American, american yeah 
Like these are added together multi-billion dollar corporations, which is insane. And I, I personally think as somebody who still does watch the show as it airs, I feel more of a lack of connection watching their show than I do just seeing them promote their brands. What do you mean? Watching their show now isn't as fun because they're so out of touch with anything that I would ever see in my own reality. I see. That it is sort of this like form of mindless entertainment where I can like see how the 1% lives and like the quote unquote issues that they face. But like all of it is just them spinning PR for themselves. I was just going to say that. I think And once, they can do that online. Once they like, step behind the camera as an editor, as mm-hmm. a director, that's when the show switched to like, yeah. I'm showing you what I want to show you mm-hmm. as like a, this is free publicity, free advertisement, rather than like, look into my life, you know, like reality yeah. TV. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it will be interesting. But like, if you look at how many, I think Kylie... And Kim, between the two of them, have, like, over 350 million followers on Instagram. Just between the two. Um, That's huge in terms of, like, what companies look for in promoting products and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So, I... Maybe at some point, they will come back to reality TV. Um, uh, From what they say, it's, like, this mutual decision. And they've all made it collectively. And I will say, like, on the show... Because I was thinking, I was like, what will I miss about the show? And I was like, not much. Because I feel like the show takes place in all of, like... One room at Kim's house, mm-hmm. Chloe's house mainly, and then randomly you get little peeks at other things. But before the show was completely divulging into all of their like homes and their lives, and now they all have their own like luxury homes, and I think they're more protective of those spaces. So you don't really see it. Kim bought or Chris bought like this Palm Springs house. So they'll vacation there and they'll film there. But like, I don't really see the inside of their homes anymore, Mm -hmm. which I love seeing our like design and all that. And you don't really see that. Half of them aren't really on it consistently. It's Kim and Chloe. Um, Anyways, all that to say they're ending after 20 seasons. I think it's like a milestone for not that they're the first reality show to do what they've done, but I think they've really set, uh, a bar for what reality TV can mm-hmm. be because we never saw people reach this status prior From to reality them. TV. Yeah. yeah. They're definitely going to be uh, cultural references Icons, for years. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, even if their show ends, as I said earlier, like they'll be fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? But also, I feel like they might come back to TV because I, yeah. I, a lot of their success obviously was from that. Well, I mean, there's already rumors swirling that Chris is going to be in real housewives of Beverly Hills. Oh, <gasps> That would be Epic. actually, I would. Well, love she that. was already on an episode uh-huh. for Kyle's auction, but I feel like sh- she would be way too secretive. Well, that's the thing is like, like she doesn't have, have seen... control over her storytelling on on no. if she went to re- Real Housewives. No. Yeah. Well, and did you see um, uh, when when uh, what was I just gonna say? Oh, so like when Bethany wasn't on the Real Housewives of New York. Uh huh. Did you like her in other elements? I personally did, but I'm like a Bethany stan. Okay. Like me and Bethany, I feel like are two peas in a pod. She's like my spirit animal. Yeah. Yes. See, I don't like the Kardashians in anything other than keeping up with the Kardashians. Or their own brands. To me, okay, this is the difference. Bethany to me is like a powerhouse as far as personality and Mm. like business stuff. And like just like one of those minds. I feel like she had talent. Mm. I'm not saying the Kardashians don't have talent because clearly they have talent as far as like beauty, yeah. uh, branding, success, business, business. Yeah. But to me, I'm like their talent. Why? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I guess Bethany could have the same argument because she was coming from the same thing. I don't know. Let me just go backtrack. They're coming from the same cut of cloth. Yeah. I just I'm a Bethany stan. I guess. Well, the reason I ask is because I've the Kardashians have sort of like tried their their feelers in so many other different mm-hmm. realms and. I don't care to see them, like, in everything that I've watched. Like, even Family Feud, I'm like, uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, but it's, it's, I don't like it. But I enjoyed watching the their show's version of behind the scenes right. of Family Feud. I'm like, oh, wait, I can get into this. But watching them on Family Feud, I'm like, oh, whatever. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. Or Chris's t- Chris had a talk show, and it also did not well yeah. at all. And I was like, no, I don't like her in this. Because... At the end of the day, the only thing people are tuning in to hear about is her family. Uh-huh. So once she tries to talk about anything else, it feels very off-brand. It feels very, like, not interesting. Right. Um, yeah, and that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> um, finally, just to close out this... Oh, my God, there's more? Episode. No, but this is quick. 
<laughs> this is a quick little like farewell and thank you. And selfishly, I'm saying this uh, because this is more like local based news. Um, Rage in West Hollywood is oh. officially closing their doors after 37 years. From what I understand, it's COVID related. Um, for those of you who don't know, Rage is one of West Hollywood's, I would say most one of their most well-known bars just in terms of being open 37 years. It's huge. Yeah. Um, but it was also personally my first gay bar experience. I think um, no, 18 and up. They were my first Fridays, in West right? Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. Fridays is 18 up. But West Hollywood bar first experience, but not my first gay. Okay. Tiger See, it was my was. first like gay experience and it, I don't remember much from it. I remember who I went with and I remember the time that I had, but like, it's just a it's just a memory of mine yeah you know that's a that's a huge i think a huge memory for any gay person is like your first experience in like the heart of the community and like experiencing what that life is and i just remember feeling so out of place um but it was my first introduction to also recognizing what it is to be in place you know to feel like you are where you belong i wasn't ready for that then but yeah i just wanted to say like farewell and thank you to rage thanks rage r.i.p yeah. r.i.p simple things that interfere a day a week a month a year we bring it up for a reason simply put the sins in season i would actually like to start off this in season Great. um mine's gonna be quick but pretty heartfelt my end season goes out to you as a listener. Um, I bring this up because, as you know, Shane, behind the scenes, and I'm going to give you guys a little peek behind the curtain and be very candid right now, it's very difficult to run this podcast. Mm. Um, not because we don't enjoy it, but with the current climate and obviously Shane going through a lot of life change, I'm going through a lot of life change, it's really hard to come on here and have... I guess a perceived personality of what I think you guys need. Um, But then I try to be authentic and just bring the energy that I (laughs) have coming forward. And, you know, we get feedback sometimes. Like some people are like, I hate when you guys come on and you're like, "Ugh, I don't want to do this, you know? But to me, I like to be authentic all the time. So when I'm coming on, like, "Ugh, I don't want to do this. It's not because I don't want to be here with you guys, but it's just what I'm going through. And I would Mm -hmm. like to give you guys that insight. Um, But with all that said, uh, just recently we have been getting like emails. Well, we always get emails and like messages from people who listen, you guys who listen. And one of these emails like came in at the right time. I was Mm. just like really feeling down about the podcast. I was like contemplating the future of it. Not necessarily like I don't want to do it, but just like really like looking at how it is and, Mm -hmm. you know, how much longer what's the goal. Just, you know, like things that you reflect on as like a life, as a job, as anything. And I see this as one of not necessarily my jobs, but a hobby that really brings a lot of light into my life. And lately it's been dwindling that light, not because of anything that anyone's doing. Just like, again, like I said, outside forces that just aren't matching up to what I feel like it should be. Um And I've kind of like had to like struggle mentally with that. But this email from a listener came in and it was just such a kind email because they mentioned how much we've like changed their life. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't any specific idio. idio. It wasn't any specific um, Incident. incident. It wasn't any specific episode. But just as a whole, they were very kind in telling us how we really... Um, change their lives and like they look forward to hearing us which I you know we see people listen and stuff but then also it's like how much do people actually listen yeah. and like even when I listen to podcasts I listen but like I get stuff from podcasts but you know I would never like tell the li- like the mm-hmm. the person I'm listening to how much they've impacted my thought or whatever I know yeah. this is babble I've been babbling this whole episode so I'm so sorry but I think that message came in exactly when I needed to hear it because it kind of gave me a new energized uh, feeling of like, no, we are in the right lane. Mm. Um, We are doing it correctly for what we know as of right now. And obviously there's places to grow, but it just gave me a revised and renewed energy towards putting forward content um, and just sharing our lives with you guys. So I just want to say thank you for listening. Like, honestly, and you definitely yeah. are my end season for this week because you guys have definitely pulled me out of been a little cruddy. And so I appreciate you. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah. And I hope that listener knows who they are. Um, and if you f- I did read that email and it was very 
very like uh, it was a beautifully written email and it was very heartfelt not only on their end but on our receiving yeah. end yeah um which we're gonna respond to the email in emails because we always do every time you guys write to us we always respond or try to um but yeah um if you're listening and you think it's you it's you hmm. yeah um well, mine is not as heartfelt. Your <laughs> mine actually came from was inspired by a video you were watching on YouTube this morning. I forget how unbelievably perfect Baz Luhrmann's 1996 soundtrack for his version of Romeo and Juliet starring Claire Danes and Leonardo DiCaprio is. <laughs> that soundtrack is like probably my favorite movie soundtrack of all time. Wait, what's a song off that soundtrack? Uh Kiss uh Kissing Ki- Kiss Me Mm, oh, it's kiss. so good. You can remember yeah. the songs. I can sing it. <laughs> sing it. No, I don't want to. No, it's it. all like operatic and it's oh, like not. Yeah. Ew, no. Um, they also sing Everybody's Free, the church choir. They're like, Everybody's Free. Mm. Yeah, it's really good. That sounds like But the whole, the whole soundtrack is just so well put together and fun to watch in the interpretation in the movie. Um. Kissing you. That's what it is. <laughs> mm. So such a good song that such we. A good song. That, I mean, that kind of is like that movie's <laughs> like thematic song. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to talk about that soundtrack because it's almost impossible to find. Like it's very, it, or it was for a long time because it was so impactful. It's like really yes. hard to find. Yeah. Well, they knew what a treasure it was, <laughs> right? So they, they buried like, that treasure deep down. <laughs> deep down, they were like, "Hold on to this." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> As always, you guys are awesome, and I just want to say thank you so much for listening. If you want to reach out to us, please do. Um, The best gift you can give us, if you've liked this episode or any previous episode, is to subscribe to our podcast, as well as write in, review, rate us, send us all the things, follow us on our social media. You can find us at... Fruit Snacks Pod on Instagram. Instagram. And then you can also email us at... Fruit Snacks Pod at gmail.com. And as always, thank you so much for listening. You are awesome. And we will catch you guys next week on Fruit Snacks. Thanks. Goodbye.